Good morning once again. I received a text from one of our board members last week asking me if my family was going to have hot pot for Thanksgiving. Yeah, you too, huh? And I guess this board member remembered just how non-traditional my family can be, especially over Thanksgiving. So anyway, I responded. They said, are you having hot pot for Thanksgiving? I'm like, no, we're having dim sum. And we did, and it was good. And uh, I hope you guys had your fill of turkey and stuffing and mashed potatoes. I hope you had a good time with friends and family during the holidays. I, I guess as non-traditional as my family is, we do preserve one tradition during Thanksgiving dinner, which is sometimes, maybe like every other time, we'll go around the table and everyone will share one or two things that they're thankful to God for. Does anyone else do that? Well, we're going to do it today, so <laughs> you're going to have an opportunity to do that, and then uh, next year when I ask you if you've ever done that, all of you will be raising your hands. Um, today on Thanksgiving Sunday, I want to talk about the practice of going back into the past and remembering things that God has done. And I want to talk about how this practice of remembering the past is so incredibly important in shaping how we think about the future. In fact, you could say that as God's people, we have a history of making horrible decisions, awful mistakes that are driven by fear because we did not do this one simple thing. We did not remember the past. I don't think it's a stretch to say that you could totally ruin your future if you fail to remember the past. No, I can't just say something like that. I got to back it up. And so I want to do that with scripture. If you have a a Bible, please open um, with me into the book of Exodus chapter 14. I'd like to start off with a scene in the Bible that most people are familiar with. If you have ever seen the Prince of Egypt, you know what I'm talking about. You've seen the Prince of Egypt. If you ever grew up going to church, you have heard about this scene. It is in Exodus chapter 14. So let me give you the context. Moses has gone to Pharaoh repeatedly, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, saying those three words, let my people go. Pharaoh refuses each time. God brings devastation upon Egypt in the form of ten plagues showcasing his awesome power and ultimately rescuing his people from slavery. Now, I want to take you to one scene in this narrative. Moses, in great freedom, leads God's people by the Red Sea. Everyone's feeling good. God just rescued them with a mighty hand. And at this moment, on the opposite horizon, just picture it with me in your mind's eye, you see on that horizon 600 chariots from Egypt all line up They're coming against you. Apparently, Pharaoh changed his mind, and the soldiers are back to overtake God's people and to enslave them again. 
This is a defining moment for the people of Israel. Nothing reveals the depth of your trust in God like 600 chariots. Okay, you ready for this? Here is the defining moment of God's people whom they have just liberated in the face of 600 chariots. They turn to Moses and say, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us to die in the wilderness? Now, forgive me, but whenever I uh, tell stories from the Old Testament with my kids, I use voices, and this is the voice that comes into my head. What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is it not this that we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. (laughs) Now in the future, you're going to have a songwriter write a poem about this event. Psalm 106.7 And here's what he wrote, okay? This is the inspired word of God reflecting back on this event. When our ancestors were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles. They did not, tell me what the next word is, guys. They did not remember your many kindnesses, and they rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. So the psalmist is looking back at this event. This event in the face of 600 chariots and the people of God freaking out, and he goes, I know where they failed. They did not remember. They did not remember your miracles that you did just a few pages ago, that that you did just a few days ago, it seems. What you see from this passage is that it's pointing out a very big problem that all of us seem to suffer from. Anyone here ever listen to a message on Sunday and then on Monday morning? Actually, not even Monday morning. When you get into the fellowship hall, you have forgotten the message already. Anyone here ever read the Bible on the morning and then the moment you finish reading the scripture, you close the cover, you've already forgotten what you've read. Anyone here ever have God answer your prayer in an incredible way, and then the very next day, when trouble comes, you get all anxious and you start to worry? Anyone here like that? Anyone here suffer from a bad memory? Now, if that's you, or if someone's poking you in the side with their elbow, and that's you, I want you to take comfort that I am probably the worst. One time there was an amazing cook by the name of Julia and she made kimchi for me and it almost like a little bit of a, like, a, like an offering on Sunday, she gave me this, this container of kimchi. It was very nice and I received it wholeheartedly and I just forgot it. I just left it here at the church. And um, then the next week, I saw her, and the first thing she said to me is, did you enjoy the kimchi? And I looked at her, and I said, you're such a good cook. And I smiled. And I kind of lied by not telling her I forgot the kimchi. But of course, later in the week, I kind of felt bad about it. So the next Sunday, 
I, I fessed up to her. I said, you know, you're so kind-hearted. I, I love your cooking, but I forgot the kimchi. You gave it to me. I'm sorry I forgot it. She said, oh, it's okay, it's okay. And so later on during the rest of the service at the end, she says, oh, look, Pastor Andrew, look. I went around the church and I found it. <laughs> and she said, here, it's still good. And she's an amazing cook and a, a kind-hearted person, but I'm such a forgetful person. There, there was one time I was talking to Raina. I said, Raina, you know, someone once told me, and blah, 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 blah. It was something very insightful. And then Raina looks at me and said, actually, no, I'm the one that told you that. <laughs> that actually kind of happens a lot. We live in an age where there has never been so much information available, where Google is a verb, and chances are that YouTube has a video that will show you how to do it. And because we are over-reliant on technology, we've lost something up here, which is the art of remembering. So much of the Gospels have come to us because they were recorded by a culture where people would remember, where people would tell stories. But we've lost something through the years, the art of remembering, the art of telling stories to others, and especially to ourselves when we need to hear it the most. That's why in the Bible we have this command seemingly over and over again, remember, God's people remember, 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 remember. You know why? Because we always forget. Now, I'm thankful that this story with the Israelites, it does not end at the Red Sea. God parts the waters in a never-seen-before miracle, miraculous display of raw power. And the Israelites walk through the Red Sea on dry ground. Now, in your Bibles... We're in Exodus, but you fast forward through many chapters and more grumbling. Fast forward for more chapters, more grumbling. There's more miracles, more grumbling and more miracles. Fast forward to the Mount Sinai and the people rebel again. And Moses mediates for the people. Fast forward all the way until they get to the very edge of the promised land. This is in Numbers 13. If you have a Bible, turn to Numbers 13. Moses wisely appoints one representative from each tribe. So you have 12 men, and they were sent into the promised land as spies. These 12 men come back, and they give a report to the people. And here's what they say, verse 27. They told him, that is Moses and all the people, we came to the land which you have sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified, very large. All right, now, at this defining moment, they have another defining moment. Caleb stands up. Caleb is a great guy in the Bible. I almost named my son Ryan Caleb. And to describe Caleb, to quote the last Avengers movie, the rest of the 11 spies are dudes. Caleb is a man. You guys remember that quote? He gets up and he says a few words. Now, granted, Caleb's heart is good, okay? But his words are just not very convincing. Here's what he says, verse 30. 
But Caleb quieted the people. Be, Shh, quiet down, quiet down. Here's what he says. Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Paraphrase. We can do it, right? That, that's basically what he said. We can do this thing. We, 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 we got this. We can do this. Okay. Not very effective. Now, now, the bad, discouraging voices who are not very convinced, they kind of take over, as they often do, and the, the whole assembly starts to give in to the voice of fear and doubt. Verse 31, then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they're stronger than we are. 32b, the land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who came from the Nephilim. And they seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seemed to them. 14.1. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we have died in the land of Egypt. Okay. Now, again, sometime after this event in the book of Nehemiah, the people of God are reflecting on what happened. This is what they say. This is Nehemiah 9:15b. You told them to go in and take possession of the land you had sworn with uplifted hand to give them. 16. But they, our ancestors, became arrogant and stiff-necked, and they did not obey your commands. They refused to listen and failed to, what's the next word? Remember the miracles you performed among them. They became stiff-necked and in the rebellion appointed a leader in order to return to their slavery. Oh, you guys, they made the same mistake again, again. They did not remember. There was a horizon of 600 chariots. They did not remember. They were looking at the promised land. They saw strong people and fortified cities, and they, they did not remember. What kind of leads me to the question, just how powerful is it to remember? Is remembering really that powerful? I want you to imagine at this defining moment, Caleb, okay? Now, I'm not faulting Caleb because you look in the scriptures. The scriptures doesn't fault Caleb, but... If you look at what Caleb says, notice Caleb says, he says, let us go at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. He is focused on the present, and he's also focused on what we can do. Am I right? He's focused on the present, what we can do. Now, I'm just wondering, what would happen if Caleb, instead of focusing on the present, was focused on the past. And if instead of focusing on what we can do, he was focused on what God already did. I want you to imagine if Caleb got up and he said something like, let me do this. Okay, here's Caleb. You guys are the congregation, okay? I want you to imagine Caleb getting up and say, hey, brothers and sisters, just give me two minutes of your time. Okay, just give me two minutes of your time. I just want you guys to remember. 
You guys remember? Let's just go back a little bit in history. Remember when we were slaves in Egypt? Remember? And then God did these ten plagues. I mean, there was crazy stuff, right? And so through these, like, awesome displays of his power, he freed us into slavery. Remember when we were, like, by the Red Sea, and then there were, like, 600 chariots? Fred, do you remember what you said at that moment? Fred, do you remember what you said? Oh, that we... Remember when you said that, Fred? What did God do? He parted the Red Sea, and then we walked on dry land. No one's ever seen that in history before. Remember when we were, like, complaining, and we were hungry, and God made bread like rain down from heaven. Do you guys remember that? And when we were thirsty and Moses like pounded the rock and all this water started gushing. You guys remember that? Well, it seems to me like these people in the land are big and the cities are fortified. It just seems to me that God, who did the ten plagues and parted the waters and then rained down bread and then also made like water gush from a rock, that this shouldn't be a problem for him. What do you guys think? Now, is that effective? I don't know. I think the people would have gone, uh, yeah, I, I think you're actually right. Uh, uh, that gives you courage. You guys, today on Thanksgiving Day, the message is this. Remember the past provision of God because it gives you bright hope for the future. Today on Thanksgiving Sunday, we look back in gratitude because it empowers us to look forward in confidence. Our God provided for us in the past. Why would not provide for us in the future? And so this is what I want you guys to do. It's still Thanksgiving Sunday I want us to have a little bit of time to reflect. What I want you to do is turn to someone next to you, and I want you to look back at one story of one thing that God has done for you. It can be a personal story. It can be a family story. It can be one thing God did for your family. It can be one thing God did for your marriage. It can be an answer to prayer. It can be a time when there are like 600 chariots, or maybe it was like six chariots, and you called out to God and he helped you. Uh, maybe you don't consider yourself a believer and you just want to listen. That's okay. You can just listen in. It can be as simple as, I'm, I'm thankful I'm alive. That can be your story. You know, 54 years ago, God created me. What is one thing that God did that you're thankful for? And what I want you to do is turn to someone next to you and just encourage them with your story. Take a little bit, risk a little bit, share a little bit, okay? I'm going to give each person like 90 seconds to do that. You got to think really quick, okay? You got to be kind of concise, and then when you give the other person 90 seconds to tell their story, okay? Don't say, I didn't warn you that we're going to share. Okay, uh, get to someone next to you. And just take a risk of vulnerability. Share something God's done for you. I'm giving you 90 seconds. Go.
Now, I, I just wonder if what telling that story does for you. I, I wanted to um, tell you a few things that I'm thankful for, stories in my life that I remember and I will never forget. 17 years ago, I went through probably the darkest time of my entire life. Some of you knew me back then. I lost my voice. Now, normally when people lose their voice, they lose their voice for maybe a couple of days, maybe a couple of weeks. I lost my voice for a year. I was in seminary at the time, and um, it was no unusual gift of foresight that I realized I'm not going to be much of a preacher without a voice. So I dropped out of seminary, and I felt like my career, my calling, my work, my livelihood, I felt like it all just went down the toilet. I'm telling you, that year, I almost lost my faith. And when I was in just in such a desperate situation, I just started to dream. And I can't tell you how much I dreamed of just having a normal conversation. I couldn't talk above a whisper. During that time, I dreamed of actually being one day in front of church and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I was like, oh, I would so want to do that. I dreamed of actually being up here and one day spontaneously, randomly, just bursting out in song, just when people least expected it. Jane? So I want to do a little song today. I hope you guys don't mind. <clears throat> Music, please. I'm just kidding. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. No, I'm not do that. But my point is, I can is my point. Okay, that's my point. After one year, God brought my voice back and he brought my calling back. I am here normally week after week preaching something called the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am the luckiest person in the world that I get to do this on a regular basis. And yes, I could sing. God rescued my calling. God rescued my voice. God rescued my ability to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He saved me. There was a time when I thought the evil one was going to murder my son. He was in his mother's womb, and my wife started to bleed. Arguably, we suffered from a previous miscarriage. But my wife started to bleed. I remember she gave me the phone call. She said, I'm bleeding I think we're losing our son. We rushed over to the hospital. Here's what the doctor said. The doctor said, your son in the mother's womb could give just a random kick and he could sever the placenta and you could bleed out. That's what the doctor said and then sent us home. We were completely, utterly devastated. We went home and we cried out to God, God, please save my son. Please save my son. We had the church praying for us, please save my son. Today, the only random kick my son will give is on the soccer field. He is alive, he is healthy, he is well. God answered my prayer. God saved his life. What I did um, at that moment is I was so moved by God's redemption of me that I... Um, I wanted to express it, and so I made a painting. I might have shown you this painting before, but um, 
It's part of the series called Jesus and Me. And as you can see, I am very talented. <laughs> and um, and so so it, so here here is here is Ryan. Actually, metaphorically, it's all of us. And here is Jesus lifting us out of a pit. It's called my Redeemer. Uh, never mind the horse. The horse. People ask me, well, like, why is Jesus feeding the horse? No, he stopped that. Don't mind the horse, okay? But I, I hang this up in Ryan's room as a constant reminder of what God did. God saved his life. God is my redeemer. God saves me. Now, I have told this story so many times that right now my son is not even listening to me. So I, I have told this story so many times. But I just want you to imagine in 2019, there are going to be a lot of challenges. Like, do I have concerns for my family? And yes, of course I do. I, I, I worry all the time. Do I have concerns for our church? Yes, I worry all the time. Now, I just want you to imagine, what if I, facing those 600 chariots, were to often say that the God who restored my voice and gave my calling back that the God who saved my son from Satan who was trying to murder him, the God who delivered me here and here and time again, is the same God that's going to deliver me and my family and my church in the future. He was reliable and faithful back then. He's going to be reliable and faithful in the future. What do I have to worry about? Why? I was worried back then God delivered me. Why do I need to worry now? Why do I need to be like overcome by anxious thoughts? Why do I need to lose sleep? The God who delivered me yesterday will deliver me today and tomorrow. What if I preached to my own fears? Do you preach to your own fears? Because I'm telling you, if you're like Caleb at that moment, in the present, thinking, we can do it, and then you look at yourself, you're like, I don't actually think I can do that. And those 600 chariots look pretty intimidating. But what if you went back in the past and you named all the things that God did? What if you journaled about those three things that God did, the top three things that God did in your life? What if you told those stories over and over again? What if you gave God thanks for those three things on a regular basis? Always remembered the God who delivered you here and there and will deliver you tomorrow. What if you preached to yourself Remembering those three things every time you were uncertain about something in the future. Because looking back in gratitude empowers you to look forward in confidence. The Old Testament makes it very clear that remembering the past provision of God brings you bright hope for the future. But this is not all... This is not just in the Old Testament, although it's, it's all over the Old Testament. Do you know it's also in the New Testament... In the New Testament, we look back at one event. It's not an individual thing. It's as a community. That is the ultimate display of God's power and love and miraculous provision. One of my favorite verses in Scripture showcases this undeniably. If you have a Bible, turn to Romans 8.32. Got to be one of my favorite verses, if not my favorite verse. Here it goes. 
But he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Let me slow this down a little bit. He who did not, did is in the past tense. He who did not spare his own son, but gave, that's in the past tense. Paul is now looking back in the past. What is he looking at? He is looking at the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ, God's son. God did not spare his own son on the cross. Jesus paid for the penalty of our sins. Now look at what Paul does. How will, what is that? That's future tense. Paul went back to the past. Now he's interpreting the past in light of the future. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Now this is a huge verse here. Now a lot of people don't know this, but what Paul is using in this verse is he is using a greater to lesser argument. It's very, very logical. Now, just to illustrate this argument, I, I want you among yourselves, church, just to nominate someone who you think spends a fair amount of time at the gym. Is Jason Chan in the room? Jason, Jason was born in the gym. J- Jason, can you, can you get up here? Where are you? Jason? Now is not the time to be hiding, brother. You've been, you've been working for this moment for the last 10 years. Okay, what I want you to do, basically I took a bunch of weights in my garage. Okay, here. I took a bunch of weights from my garage, and uh, I put them all on one barbell. Okay? Okay, it's right here. All right, um, so Jason, I just want you to stand the other way so people can see you. No, 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 no. Okay. Oh, it's a little bit easy. Can you, can you get up here so people can see you? Now, um, I don't know if there's any doubts in your mind. Uh, I, I asked Cecil, you, you've seen Cecil. I said, what's the max that you can uh, curl? And it's something around that, around the weights that I put on this barbell. So do you guys think that, I mean, look at Jason. Do you guys think that Jason can curl this? Ryan, do you think he can? You do. How much would you be willing to bet that Jason can curl this? It's all my money anyway, so you can just put out a large amount of money. It's fine. Like, you, you think, like, $5 says you could probably curl this, right? Okay, moment of truth. Uh, I, you, are you left-handed? Okay. Uh, uh, let's uh, give Jason a countdown, three, two, one, and then I want you to go ahead and just, just pump it, okay? Three, two... One pump. Okay. All right, that's pretty good. Wow. Okay, you didn't have to keep on doing it. Now you're just showing off. You don't get 10 bucks for each pump, okay? Well, how much is this? This is 10, 10, that's 20, that's 30. Okay, it's around 40 pounds. All right. All right. So this is within Jason's capability. He can do that. He has done it, right? Okay, now... Here is the next question. Here's the lesser, okay? Jason, with your left hand, I want you to go ahead and lift this up. Okay, now, Ryan, how much would you bet that he can do this, okay? How much would you bet? All the money that you got, right? Three, two, one. Okay. 
It's a, it's a greater or lesser argument, right? It's like, of course he just curled 40 pounds. Of course he can do two, three, right? It's a greater or lesser. Okay, you, thank you, Jason. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're great. Okay, okay, stay with me. It's a greater to lesser argument. Paul's going back in the past to establish the greater argument. Okay, what is the greater argument? The greater argument is this. God didn't spare his own son, but he gave his son up for you on the cross. Now, okay, well, how is this the greater argument? There's nothing that God loves more than Jesus Christ. There is no person in the entire universe that is more valuable than Jesus Christ. Do you realize how committed God is to your good and to his glory? He gave up his son on the cross. That is the big argument. God did that. He's so committed to your good and his glory that he gave up his son on the cross. Okay, now, here's the lesser argument. You go into the future. Here's the lesser argument. Now, if he gave you his own son on the cross in the past, then when you look forward into the future, you can have confidence that he is going to give you what? All things. That's the lesser. All things. All things. Jason just, just curled 40. You have no doubt that he can curl three pounds. God gave you his son. You can go into the future with no doubts that he is entirely committed to your good and to his glory. He is going to give you what you need to flourish eternally. He is committed to your good and to his glory. Even the bad things in this life will happen ultimately, and be used for your good. Church, by looking back at the cross in gratitude, you are empowered to look forward to receiving all things to flourish eternally with confidence. If you're going to look back at one thing to reflect on, to tell stories on, to sing about, because this is your confidence going forward, let it be the cross of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I pray that as we look back at the stories of your provision, but as we look back especially on the cross of Jesus Christ, we would be so continually moved and touched that you are so committed to our good and to your glory, you sacrificed everything in Jesus. Help us to take that and to look forward in the future and to know that the God who saved, who delivered, who sacrificed will continue to save and rescue and deliver us in the future. Help us to be bold because of the cross of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen.